podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, the show that brings you untapped business ideas from successful entrepreneurs. My name is Chris Justin, and I'm here with Ethan Janney. Ethan, how's it going today? It's going well. I'm wondering if Randy's listening. Our friend Randy told us he was listening to the podcast. He's like, oh, it's getting better. And and I was like, cool. Well, what did you like about it? And he said, I can't think of anything right now. <laughs> I said, name one guest that we had. He said, I think I got to Google it. <laughs> so Randy, if you're out there, hopefully <laughs> either you're either you're being made fun of and you will never know it or you can tell us that you heard this i, I can already tell the theme of this episode is going to be calling out people <laughs> like john had mentioned that behind the scenes before we hit record that uh he got bullied a little bit for his last name which a lot a lot okay sorry i didn't want to sell it short there but <laughs> so yeah should we give an intro to yeah let's do it Mr. tell us john about john here? yeah John Vitti is the CEO of Versus Game, a pop culture gaming app that lets users bet on trending topics. They've granted over 16 million in cash prizes to over 7 million players. But he's here to talk with us about a new idea that he'd like to pursue in the education space. Chris, did you do some research on the education space? Yeah, I did. So the idea basically is an online school for entrepreneurship that anyone in the world can attend for free. And I want to frame up this, uh, give some context to this idea here. My opinion, modern education system is broken. A lot of people hold this opinion, especially higher education. Student loan debt in the US is over 1.7 trillion alone. At the same time, productivity growth has stagnated. So it's not like we're seeing a higher return on the amount of money that we're spending on education. People are more in debt than ever. And yeah, we're just not seeing the fruit of that. This is a big problem that everyone knows about. VCs invested $10 billion in 2020 alone, and that grew from $5 billion in 2019 in the education space. There are 24,080 education startups on AngelList. So there's a ton of, uh, ton of competition in this space. And Well, I should say there's a ton of energy going after this problem. I fully support this idea of experiential education, project-based learning. We've actually had a handful of episodes already of people who are successful entrepreneurs who'd like to do something to improve the education system. They've got their complaints, especially within the, hey, how do I just manage my life? How do I start a business? It's just kind of basic skills around finances, financial independence, things like that. This could just be my opinion, but a lot of what's holding the education system back, holding students back, is really their own misunderstanding of their own potential and how to go about optimizing it. Right. So first of all, they underestimate what they can do and they don't really understand what's the path. How would I go about achieving that? And it's never about not necessarily about the specifics. Like Chris and I started a podcast, right? We, we didn't need to memorize terms about podcasting in order to start a podcast. We needed to start a podcast, you know, and maybe we learned some of those terms along the way and they just happen to go in our memory. But, you know, if we teach children and high school and college students that, in order to do something, you have to kind of do the research on it first. The research is more about the planning, you know, and that's important. But I think people need to know that things are possible and actually just how to execute them. And so I think you could have courses or you could have, you know, a specific mentorship program that people go through or an apprenticeship program. But the, the focus is not, you know, learn the facts and have the research done so you can do the thing. It's about 
what is the process? What is the kind of model that you can follow as opposed to the specifics? So I don't think it necessarily puts the onus on the individual. I think it's the contrary. It gives them the power to feel that they can do it. Not like, oh my gosh, what do I do? It's all on me. It's like, oh, it's, if it's on me, then now I know what to do. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's the same thing. If I'm hiring somebody in my company, I don't care if they went to Harvard. I want them to, I want to know their success stories and their failures first. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a theme. And I think that, you know, people talk about failure being important and we don't have to harp on it too hard. But I think one thing that we could cover that's a nuance of it is like, there's a delicate line to toe there in being willing to fail and like how it gets publicized. And yeah, here's a really good example. One thing that I, I think that I've learned in my process of becoming an entrepreneur, like let's talk about email marketing. I really didn't realize that, and this is maybe seems obvious in retrospect, if I'm gonna fail, I should fail to like a small group of my email list. Like if I wanna test something out, let's send it out to like 15 people or let's like have a phone call with them so that I can talk through what the email is gonna sound like and I can bounce it off them and see if they get offended versus like sending it out to an email list of like two or 3000 people. And then they go, what the heck is this? You know, like how to fail, but fail small so that you can win big. Interesting lessons like that, I think would be super useful. Let's get into some examples of how people are taking this on right now. One that comes to mind is the Teal Fellowship. I'm sure you guys are familiar of it, but for the listener who isn't, the Teal Fellowship gives $100,000 to young people who want to build new things instead of sitting in the classroom. So he essentially, Peter Teal, famous tech entrepreneur, one of the co-founders of PayPal, he'll pay you hundred grand if you win this fellowship to either skip college or drop out of college. One of the most famous winners of this is the founder of Ethereum, Vitalik Buterin. It's all in the news right now because Ethereum is just blown up, but obviously has, <laughs> has worked out pretty well, even if that's the only project that was successful out of all those fellowships that Peter Thiel founded. Huge value added to the world. Ethan, you brought an example of Acadium. Yeah, Acadium is a great education resource. And this is this is something that's actually close to my heart when I think about my big my big dreams for how to change the world and something in entrepreneurship. But there is something around education for me. It's slightly different from what John's bringing to the table, but I think mentorship is super important. And I think on the job work is, is important. So I use the team from Acadium for a project um, of mine right now. So this is the way that Acadium works. They actually do a little bit of training. They're mostly young people. They're all over the world. They could be in Africa, India, you know, Spain, Turkey, whatever. And they match them with, you know, people who have small businesses, mostly they do marketing apprenticeships just because it's a really easy thing that there's demand for. And so you can have an apprentice for like, you know, just a few hundred bucks a month and they'll do things like do your social media strategy or update your website. They're learning. And so it's not perfect, but if you, if you know how to manage it, right, you do get good work and they learn a ton. So I, I really appreciate that type of model. And I think mentorship needs to play a stronger role in the future of education. But so there's somebody that's doing something um, that's going fairly well. I, from our perspective, we've had the, the founder on our podcast before as, as well. Yeah, that was episode 66. Talked about smart face masks, which is another idea that actually came to fruition. Not from a run with a listener, but uh, you see a bunch of versions out there costing a hundred bucks and doing all sorts of uh, sharing all sorts of metrics. So yeah, there are a couple of examples. We talked about ones in the later stages of people's life. There's also thinking about this problem of alternative education. 
Montessori schools immediately come to mind. Ethan, have you enrolled your son in Montessori? Yeah, my son's in a Montessori school. It's a very small one. It's actually run out of someone's house, but it's actually official, you know, and I don't know. We think it's been great. I mean, he's relatively young, so we don't know how he's going to turn out. He could be a complete failure, but <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I would never say that around my, my son, um, not, unless, not until he's old enough really to get bad. jokes like that. But anyways, what's really cool about it, which we like, number one, I, this isn't a Montessori thing, but they speak Spanish there and he's learning Spanish, but he's with a bunch of kids from different ages. He's got kids that are a little bit younger than him. He's got kids that are a little bit older than him. And they're all just hanging out and they, you know, they have the freedom to do different things than you would typically do. They've brought in like literally circus people to teach them how to do acrobatics as like a thing that they do kind of for fun. I don't know if this is a thing, but they helped potty train my kid. And they were able to do that because they had the age, the different ages of kids going on. So there were other kids that were a little bit behind him in his training process. And there were other kids that were a little bit ahead of him and they could just kind of like you could see those examples and do stuff like that. So we don't usually get that type of thing in traditional education. That's just one thing I can think of in Montessori where you, you can see who's a little bit ahead of you and you can see who's a little bit behind you. And there's actually an advantage to hanging out with both of those group as opposed to just, you know, who's at your quote unquote level. I also have a young son and I'm thinking similarly to Ethan, like we very specifically chose a daycare facility that is not going to try and make them sit down and, and follow some rules and learn how to walk in a straight line and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm more on board with what Ethan is describing from Montessori perspective. And it seems like that is the foundation that is going to make a much bigger impact long-term for an individual. But this idea itself in terms of having it be successful it probably would be more successful. And certainly the latency is shorter if you're working with people who are closer to working age. So there's, there's a little bit of tension, right? Maybe 10% of people or 5% of people still have the skills that would uh, allow them to become entrepreneurs once they are filtered all the way to high school or college. Uh, so it's a smaller group, but can make more impact. If you want to start your own podcast, head over to transistor.fm slash run and get 15% off your first year of podcast hosting. So that makes me think almost of the trade school model. I know in high school, you guys probably had this as well, but some kids would go off and spend half their day learning a trade. You could do something similar for an entrepreneurship. If you know that you want to be an entrepreneur, go spend half your day shadowing someone or working within a company, trying to actually contribute, solve problems. Or trying to sell Pokemon cards to your, your fellow students. <laughs> I mean, actually, to be honest, that's the type of thing that the kids who become entrepreneurs do, right? But it's actually the thing that gets discouraged at school, which is interesting, right? Oh, what, what are you doing over there? Yeah, you're not supposed to like try to sell stuff to your like peers and friends and stuff like that. Which I guess there's there's some etiquette there that is that is useful to teach, but I don't know. That's actually a really good point. Like, is there a way when kids sort of display this entrepreneurial bug in school that you can both kind of help them understand etiquette, but also reinforce it? If a kid naturally is selling stuff to their peers, that's a strong signal. That's a strong signal. And they're going to keep doing it no matter whether you approve of it or not, because they're probably like a born entrepreneur. But yeah, how can you say okay, let's work with this. Like maybe we can pair you up with an experienced entrepreneur to help you learn something interesting. That's a cool idea. I like that idea. 
I'm more of like a mentor thing. Yeah. Here's a great idea. It's like a feel fellowship for like early childhood education. And it's, you know, send us your kids that are trying to sell stuff. Those kids would be, <laughs> those kids would be so like genius level by the time they get like in their twenties. Exactly. Can you imagine that? Exactly. I'm going to start this. I think we're going to start this someday. We can do it as a group here, but yeah, that's the thing. I'll give a hundred thousand dollars to any kindergartner who's trying to sell something at school <laughs> to quit yeah. school entirely and become an <laughs> entrepreneur. <laughs> like when's the last time and like in, in the companies that I have, like looking at grades, like grades are completely useless. I never look at a GPA. Are you kidding me? Like for all the kids out there worrying about their test scores and stuff, like nobody looks at that. No corporation looks at that. I, and know. I got to tell you, you guys a story because I've taught at the at the college level, right? Oh, nice. I did a little bit su of subbing. I feel bad. I just. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, 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 it's fine. I mean, I, but yeah. I had a student and she she got a B, you know, she got a B in biology lab and she earned the B. She did, you know, the numbers just worked out just like any other student. And she sent me an email and she said, you know, I yeah, you know, I don't want this B. Like I wanted better grade, basically, you know. And we went back and forth. And I, I wish I could go. It's it's almost humorous to the degree to which she kind of said. So she said, "I got a B. Like I need an A. You don't understand." And I said, "Listen, you're gonna. These are great. Like it just means you're pushing yourself. I'm sure there's plenty of A's in your future." She sent me a, an a, an email back that literally said, "You can't tell me A's are in my future. If you give me this B, B's will follow all my life." <laughs> So these kids get intense in school to get these grades, right? And remember, I mean, like, I mean, I guess they're, they are proving that they're a negotiate. We're talking about negotiation skills, right? Like, but it, it, this is part of the problem with grades. There's cheating is so rampant. It's so rampant that you can't even really tell what's reasonable to expect from a kid in a class just because people are cheating off each other's papers and, you know, people come into office hours or whatever and that which is great for people who are working a little bit extra hard, but they get, actually get, you know, they get that extra special attention. And so they know exactly what's going to be on the test. There's a lot of complications in, in terms of how grades actually display whether somebody's going to be good at something or not. Anyway, Right. A grade doesn't mean that you're going to, it's not a signal at all, actually, to saying that you're going to be awesome at this thing in life later. Mind blowing thing for me is in terms of world education rankings, the U.S. is number one. No, we're ranked, we're ragging on the US system and how bad everything is, but we're actually like the top of the list. Who's ranking that? US News and World Reports? <laughs> US is number one <laughs> in that education system. What about, yeah, I'm yeah. curious about whatever Sweden News and World Reports or whatever, how it comes out. <laughs> China News and I'm sure in China News and oh, World Reports that they're yeah, the top yeah, education yeah, in yeah, the world. Right. All right, let's get into the, let's get into the action steps here. So, so what's a way that we can get started, you know, with a, with an instructor, at least one or a handful and a handful of students where it's not going to put us in the hole too far, you know, financially, or maybe we can even come out ahead in the first step and the initial students, where should we get them from? Like, cause we could get them, you know, you could go on maybe what would be considered the most difficult level of starting this business. You could go to some inner city area where kids are already struggling with things like you know, reading and math or whatever. And then you could say, hey, we're going to actually take these people. Or you can, I, I would almost consider it, it feels like cheating a little bit, but you could try to actually make it like a gifted program 
where and maybe maybe that's what we do. <laughs> we go around to all the local schools and we say, send us your kids that are trying to sell stuff. <laughs> I really like that. I honestly think that's the best idea. It's not a bad idea. And then, yeah, you just go to a handful of schools in your local area and you say, here's the criteria. You got a kid, you're selling stuff. Maybe you think it's a problem. Send them to us and we'll have an after school program for them. Oh my you know, God, we'll, I love this. We'll get them involved, sponsored by IBM, right? And then... But you you don't get some you can get someone from IBM to sort of talk to them and give them the spiel about I, IBM and how they might want to you know one day sell their business to IBM or whatever it is. But then you get like a probably like a local entrepreneur as well to, to sort of be the instructor, and you can maybe actually pay that entrepreneur. It depends, right? Do they want to be a volunteer? Some people prefer that, or you could now have a budget that IBM is giving you to bring in certain instructors. That's a this is a. Great classic point of you would probably have both because in the beginning, you need to try a bunch of things. I think we'll have some people, it's never a straight line. I think we'll have some people that are friendly. They're like, yeah, I'll come in and help some classes out. And then we need to get what you pay for by getting the sponsors to come in from Facebook and Google and, and have the teachers come in that way as well. Now, what about the objection of, oh, Facebook's now teaching my seven-year-old, geez, like, that weren't they deep enough in, into my life, you know? <laughs> now they're sort of indoctrinating them into the Facebook system or the Google system or whatever. I think, I don't know, for me, IBM sounds a little bit less intrusive just because they don't have like a social media platform, but. I don't think that we actually need to have these companies be that involved in the actual education itself. I think that it's a marketing expense for them to say that, hey, we are funding the next generation of entrepreneurs. And that's, a rounding error on their balance sheet. I think yeah. I think that's totally true. Yeah, you just. I think we have to figure out how early we go in age bracket too, because seven might be early. But there's as early as kids are. So I I say well maybe like I don't know. Right now I'm living in this town called Elmhurst, Illinois. Right. We actually had a previous guest who happened to grow up here. They have a pretty good education system here. There's a handful of high schools, grade schools, whatever. You know, you find a list of the schools. You go around to all of them. You say. Here's what I want. Literally, just tell all your teachers, look out for kids that are trying to sell stuff. That's it. And then you see how old they are, right? Like if there's a six-year-old trying to sell stuff, you go, oh, okay, interesting, right? It's going to be at the head of the class. Okay, the only way to make this work is there's going to be some friction with the parents, right? Because like, well, I'm going to give my eight, seven, ten-year-old kid to you. That we're going to need, we would need a stud on like the board or, you know, the dean. And that would have to be like, a Peter Thiel or like a Sergey or something like that. If you wanted to, yeah, you could try to aim. I mean, I think you could get away with just saying it's sponsored. I keep going back to IBM. I've done some things that are sponsored by IBM. So I like, I can see it. It's, I have the vision of it really, really simple in my mind. But um, I think that would be good enough. But if you wanted to level it up, yeah. So you could go to Singularity University is a very interesting resource to look up. Are you guys familiar with Singularity University? started by, uh, I believe, two two gentlemen. One is the guy who founded the X Prize, Peter Diamandis. And the other one is basically the guy who's like the huge futurist. He's worked for Google, invented the electronic uh, piano keyboard and all sorts of other things. Um, his name's, yeah, Ray Kurzweil. And uh, they have this thing that they that they call Singularity University. And it's basically like, let's just get people involved. It's not exactly like a university, but it does have that feeling of, you know, you can take some classes, you can meet some people, you can network, but we want you thinking about 10X, 100X projects that are gonna change the world. 
you go to them and you ask if they want to be a sponsor or they want to be involved. And they actually, uh, Peter Diamandis, for example, who I just mentioned, who started the X Prize, he just interviewed Elon Musk about their carbon X Prize, the, the carbon removal X Prize. You know, so there's connections there. If you could just get in with with Singularity University and tell them, you know, what you're planning on doing, uh, they they might even be able to connect you with others. We're coming up on time here, but got to ask one hard question that we haven't talked about yet: is how do we actually make money on this business? Is it purely a nonprofit? We take a cut of the sponsorship. What, what are you guys envisioning? My perspective is that we take a small cut so we can actually focus and put time on it. Uh, but it would be a labor of love, right? So we need the sponsorship money needs to fund the teachers and then we get a small cut for operations, you know? Right. I think, yeah, you, you could get the sponsors from these these large companies. Probably a little bit harder if you're a for-profit than a not-for-profit because they have the tax deductions and they've got a specific budget for it. Maybe you could have two arms of it, a not-for-profit and a for-profit. But yeah, and then, you know, just a portion of that funding that comes in can, can go to fund the business. And you could take the Y Combinator model and say, actually, you get a stake in various businesses that these students start. Another way of funding this that comes to mind is the charter school movement. Have you guys heard of that? It's essentially a way to create your own education system. You set the rules. You have to write this charter that the local government agrees to. And, say, and you still have to meet all these metrics around standardized testing, which maybe isn't as appealing, but it is an avenue to get some funding and uh, have it be officially sanctioned. So maybe parents are not as scared about it. We are coming up at time here. John, where can people go to learn more about you? Uh, Versusgame.com. Uh, and then uh, Versusgame on Instagram. I'm all over that. So, uh, John, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Chat later on. Thank you. Too. Podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash run, that's R-U-N, and get 15% off your first year.